Book Three, Chapter Ten of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Whiston. Book Three, Chapter Ten. How Tarache was taken. A description of the river Jordan and of the country of Gennesareth. One and now Vespasian pitched his camp between this city and Tarache, but fortified his camp more strongly, as suspecting that he should be forced to stay there and have a long war. For all the innovators had gotten together at Tarache, as relying upon the strength of the city and on the lake that lay by it. This lake is called by the people of the country the Lake of Gennesareth. The city itself is situated like Tiberias, at the bottom of a mountain, and on those sides which are not washed by the sea, have been strongly fortified by Josephus, though not so strongly as Tiberias. For the wall of Tiberias had been built at the beginning of the Jews' revolt, when he had great plenty of money and great power. But the Tarachis partook only the remains of that liberality. Yet had they a great number of ships gotten ready upon the lake, that in case they were beaten at land they might retire to them and they were so fitted up that they might undertake a sea fight also but as the romans were building a wall about their camp jesus and his party were neither affrighted at their number nor at the good order they were in but made a sally upon them and at the very first onset the builders of the wall were dispersed and these pulled what little they had before built to pieces but as soon as they saw the armed men getting together and before they had suffered anything themselves they retired to their own men but then the romans pursued them and drove them into their ships where they launched out as far as might give them the opportunity of reaching the romans with what they threw at them and then cast anchor and brought their ships close as in a line of battle and thence fought the enemy from the sea who were themselves at land but Vespasian hearing that a great multitude of them were gotten together in the plain that was before the city, he thereupon sent his son, with six hundred chosen horsemen, to disperse them. 2. But when Titus perceived that the enemy was very numerous, he sent to his father, and informed him that he should want more forces. But as he saw a great many of the horsemen eager to fight, and that before any succors could come to them, and that yet some of them were privately under a sort of consternation at the multitude of the Jews, he stood in a place whence he might be heard and said to them, My brave Romans, for it is right for me to put you in mind of what nation you are, in the beginning of my speech, that so you may not be ignorant who you are, and who they are against whom we are going to fight. For as to us, Romans, no part of the habitable earth hath been able to escape our hands hitherto. But as for the Jews, that I may speak of them too, though they have been already beaten, yet do they not give up the cause. And a sad thing it would be for us to grow wealthy under good success, when they bear up under their misfortunes. As to the alacrity which you show publicly, I see it, and rejoice at it. Yet am I afraid lest the multitude of the enemy should bring a concealed fright upon some of you. Let such a one consider again, who we are that are to fight, and who those are against whom we are to fight. Now these Jews, though they be very bold and great despisers of death, are but a disorderly body, and unskillful in war, and may rather be called a rout than an army, while I need say nothing of our skill and our good order. For this is the reason why we Romans alone are exercised for war in time of peace 
that we may not think of number, for number when we come to fight with our enemies. For what advantage should we reap by our continual sort of war? If we must still be equal in number to such as have not been used to war, consider further that you are to have a conflict with men in effect unarmed, while you are well armed, with footmen, while you are horsemen, with those that have no good general, while you have one, and as these advantages make you in effect manifold more than you are, so do their disadvantages mightily diminish their number. Now it is not the multitude of men, though they be soldiers, that manages wars with success, but it is their bravery that does it, though they be but few, for a few are easily set in battle array, and can easily assist one another, while over-numerous armies are more hurt by themselves than by their enemies. It is boldness and rashness, the effects of madness, that conduct the Jews. Those passions indeed make a great figure when they succeed, but are quite extinguished upon the least ill success. But we are led on by courage, and obedience, and fortitude, which shows itself indeed in our good fortune, but still does not for ever desert us in our ill fortune. Nay, indeed, your fighting is to be on greater motives than those of the Jews. For although they run the hazard of war for liberty, and for their country, yet what can be a greater motive to us than glory? And that it may never be said, that after we have got dominion of the habitable earth, the Jews are able to confront us. We must also reflect upon this, that there is no fear of our suffering any incurable disaster in the present case, for those that are ready to assist us are many, and at hand also. Yet it is in our power to seize upon this victory ourselves, and I think we ought to prevent the coming of those my father is sending to us for our assistance, that our success may be peculiar to ourselves, and of greater reputation to us. And I cannot but think this an opportunity wherein my father, and I, and you shall be all put to the trial, whether he be worthy of his former glorious performances, whether I be his son in reality, and whether you be really my soldiers, for it is usual for my father to conquer, and for myself, I should not bear the thoughts of returning to him if I were once taken by the enemy. And how will you be able to avoid being ashamed, if you do not show equal courage with your commander, when he goes before you into danger? For you know very well that I shall go into the danger first, and make the first attack upon the enemy. Do not you therefore desert me, but persuade yourselves that God will be assisting to my onset. Know this also before we begin, that we shall now have better success than we should have, if we were to fight at a distance. 3. As Titus was saying this, an extraordinary fury fell upon the men, and as Trajan was already come before the fight began, with four hundred horsemen, they were uneasy at it, because the reputation of the victory would be diminished by being common to so many. Vespasian had also sent both Antonius and Silo, with two thousand archers, and had given it them in charge to seize upon the mountain that was over against the city, and repel those that were upon the wall, which archers did as they were commanded, and prevented those that attempted to assist them that way. And now Titus made his own horse march first against the enemy, as did the others with a great noise after him, and extended themselves upon the plain as wide as the enemy which confronted them, by which means they appeared much more numerous than they really were. Now the Jews, although they were surprised at this onset, and at their good order, made resistance against their attacks for a little while. But when they were pricked with very long poles, and overborne by the violent noise of the horsemen, they came to be trampled under their feet, 
many also of them were slain on every side which made them disperse themselves and run to the city as fast as every one of them were able so titus pressed upon the hindmost and slew them and of the rest some he fell upon as they stood on heaps and some he prevented and met them in the mouth and run them through many also he leaped upon as they fell one upon another and trod them down and cut off all the retreat they had to the wall and turned them back into the plain till at last they forced a passage by their multitude and got away and ran into the city four but now there fell out a terrible sedition among them within the city for the inhabitants themselves who had possessions there and to whom the city belonged were not disposed to fight from the very beginning and now the less so because they had been beaten but the foreigners which were very numerous would force them to fight so much the more insomuch that there was a clamour and a tumult among them as all mutually angry one at another and when titus heard this tumult for he was not far from the wall he cried out fellow soldiers now is the time and why do we make any delay when god is giving up the jews to us take the victory which is given you do not you hear what a noise they make those that escaped our hands are ill and uproar against one another we have the city if we make haste but besides haste we must undergo some labor and use some courage for no great thing uses to be accomplished without danger accordingly we must not only prevent their uniting again which necessity will soon compel them to do but we must also prevent the coming of our men to our assistance that as few as we are we may conquer so great a multitude and may ourselves alone take the city five as soon as ever titus had said this he leaped upon his horse and rode apace down to the lake by which lake he marched and entered into the city the first of them all as did the others soon after him hereupon those that were upon the walls were seized with a terror at the boldness of the attempt nor durst any one venture to fight with him or to hinder him so they left guarding the city and some of those that were about jesus fled over the country while others of them ran down to the lake and met the enemy in the teeth and some were slain as they were getting up into the ships but others of them as they attempted to overtake those that were already gone aboard there was also a great slaughter made in the city while those foreigners that had not fled away already made opposition but the natural inhabitants were killed without fighting for in hopes of Titus's giving them his right hand for their security, and out of a consciousness that they had not given any consent to the war, they avoided fighting, till Titus had slain the authors of this revolt, and then put a stop to any further slaughters, out of a commiseration of these inhabitants of the place. But for those that had fled to the lake, upon seeing the city taken, they sailed as far as they possibly could from the enemy. 6 hereupon titus sent one of his horsemen to his father and let him know the good news of what he had done at which as was natural he was very joyful both on account of the courage and glorious actions of his son for he thought that now the greatest part of the war was over he then came thither himself and set men to guard the city and gave them command to take care that nobody got privately out of it but to kill such as attempted so to do and on the next day he went down to the lake and commanded that vessels should be fitted up in order to pursue those that had escaped in ships these vessels were quickly gotten ready accordingly because there was great plenty of materials and a great number of artificers also seven now this lake of gennesareth is so called from the country adjoining to it its breadth is forty furlongs and its length one hundred and forty 
its waters are sweet and very agreeable for drinking for they are finer than the thick waters of other fens the lake is also pure and on every side ends directly at the shores and at the sand it is also of a temperate nature when you draw it up and of a more gentle nature than river or fountain water and yet always cooler than one could expect in so diffuse a place as this is now when this water is kept in the open air it is as cold as that snow which the country people are accustomed to make by night in summer there are several kinds of fish in it different both in the taste and the sight from those elsewhere it is divided into two parts by the river jordan now panium is thought to be the fountain of jordan but in reality it is carried thither after an occult manner from the place called fiala this place lies as you go up to traconitus and is a hundred and twenty furlongs from caesarea and is not far out of the road on the right hand and indeed it hath its name fiala vile or bowl very justly from the roundness of its circumference as being round like a wheel its water continues always up to its edges without either sinking or running over and as this origin of jordan was formerly not known it was discovered so to be when philip was tetrarch of traconitus for he had chaff thrown into fiala and it was found at panito where the ancients thought the fountain head of the river was whither it had been therefore carried by the waters as for panium itself its natural beauty had been improved by the royal liberality of agrippa and adorned at his expenses now jordan's visible stream arises from this cavern and divides the marshes and fens of the lake semiconitus when it hath run another hundred and twenty furlongs it first passes by the city julius and then passes through the middle of the lake genesareth after which it runs a long way over a desert and then makes its exit into the lake asphaltitis eight the country also that lies over against this lake hath the same name of genesareth its nature is wonderful as well as its beauty its soil is so fruitful that all sorts of trees can grow upon it and the inhabitants accordingly plant all sorts of trees there for the temper of the air is so well mixed that it agrees very well with those several sorts particularly walnuts which require the coldest air flourish there in vast plenty there are palm trees also which grow best in hot air fig trees also and olives grow near them which yet require an air that is more temperate one may call this place the ambition of nature where it forces those plants that are naturally enemies to one another to agree together it is a happy contention of the seasons as if every one of them lay claim to this country for it not only nourishes different sorts of autumnal fruit beyond men's expectation but preserves them a great while it supplies men with principal fruits with grapes and figs continually during ten months of the year and the rest of the fruits as they become ripe together throughout the whole year footnote it may be worth our while to observe here that near this lake genesareth grapes and figs hang on the trees ten months of the year we may observe also that in cyril of jerusalem which was delivered not long before easter there was no fresh leaves of fig trees nor bunches of fresh grapes in judea so that when st mark says chapter eleven verse thirteen that our saviour soon after the same time of the year came and found leaves on a fig tree near jerusalem but no figs because the time of new figs ripening was not yet he says very true nor were they therefore other than old leaves which our saviour saw and old figs which he expected and even with us commonly hang on trees all winter long and footnote for besides the good temperature of the air it is also water from a most fertile fountain the people of the country call it capharnum 
Some have thought it to be a vein of the Nile, because it produces the Caracan fish as well as that lake does which is near to Alexandria. The length of this country extends itself along the banks of this lake that bears the same name for thirty furlongs, and is in breadth twenty. And this is the nature of that place. 9. But now, when the vessels were gotten ready, Vespasian put upon shipboard as many of his forces as he thought sufficient to be too hard for those that were upon the lake, and set sail after them. Now these which were driven into the lake could neither fly to the land, where all was in their enemy's hand, and in war against them. Nor could they fight upon the level by sea, for their ships were small and fitted only for piracy. They were too weak to fight with Vespasian's vessels, and the mariners that were in them were so few, that they were afraid to come near the Romans, who attacked them in great numbers. However, as they sailed round about the vessels, and sometimes as they came near them, they threw stones at the Romans when they were a good way off, or came closer and fought them. Yet did they receive the greatest harm themselves in both cases. As for the stones they threw at the Romans, they only made a sound one after another, for they threw them against such as were in their armor, while the Roman darts could reach the Jews themselves, and when they ventured to come near the Romans, they became sufferers themselves before they could do any harm to the either, and were drowned, they and their ships together. As for those that endeavored to come to an actual fight, the Romans ran many of them through with their long poles. Sometimes the Romans leaped into their ships with swords in their hands and slew them, but when some of them met the vessels, the Romans caught them by the middle, and destroyed at once their ships and themselves who were taken in them. As for such as were drowning in the sea, if they lifted their heads up above the water, they were either killed by darts, or caught by the vessels. But if, in the desperate case they were in, they attempted to swim to their enemies, the Romans cut off either their heads or their hands, and indeed they were destroyed after various manners everywhere till the rest being put to flight were forced to get upon the land while the vessels encompassed them about on the sea but as many of these were repulsed when they were getting ashore they were killed by the darts upon the lake and the romans leaped out of their vessels and destroyed a great many more upon the land one might then see the lake all bloody and full of dead bodies for not one of them escaped and a terrible stink and a very sad sight there was on the following days over that country for as for the shores they were full of shipwrecks and of dead bodies all swelled and as the dead bodies were inflamed by the sun and putrefied they corrupted the air insomuch that the misery was not only the object of commiseration to the jews but to those that hated them and had been the authors of that misery this was the upshot of the sea fight the number of the slain, including those that were killed in the city before, was six thousand and five hundred. 10. After this fight was over, Vespasian sat upon his tribunal at Tarache, in order to distinguish the foreigners from the old inhabitants, for those foreigners appeared to have begun the war. So he deliberated with the other commanders, whether he ought to save those old inhabitants or not. And when those commanders alleged that the dismission of them that would be to his own disadvantage, because, when they were once set at liberty, they would not be at rest, since they would be people destitute of proper habitations, and would be able to compel such as they fled to fight against us, Vespasian acknowledged that they did not deserve to be saved, and that if they had leave given them to fly away, they would make use of it against those that gave them that leave but still he considered with himself after what manner they should be slain for if he had them slain there he suspected the people of the country would thereby become his enemies footnote 
This is the most cruel and barbarous action that Vespasian ever did in this whole war, as he did it with great reluctance also. It was done both after public assurance given of sparing the prisoners' lives, and when all knew and confessed that these prisoners were in no way guilty of any sedition against the Romans. Nor indeed did Titus now give his consent, so far as appears, nor ever act of himself so barbarously. Nay, soon after this, Titus grew quite weary of shedding blood, and of punishing the innocent with the guilty, and gave the people of Gisala leave to keep the Jewish Sabbath, in the midst of their siege. Nor was Vespasian disposed to do what he did, till his officers persuaded him, and that from two principal topics, viz. that nothing could be unjust that was done against Jews, and that when both cannot be consistent, advantage must prevail over justice. Admirable court doctrines these. End footnote. For that to be sure they would never bear it, that so many that had been supplicants to him should be killed, and to offer violence to them, after he had given them assurances of their lives, he could not himself bear to do it. However, his friends were too hard for him, and pretended that nothing against Jews could be any impiety, and that he ought to prefer what was profitable before what was fit to be done, where both could not be made consistent. So he gave them an ambiguous liberty to do as they advised, and permitted the prisoners to go along no other road than that which led to Tiberius only. So they readily believed what they desired to be true, and went along securely, with their effects, the way which was allowed them, while the Romans seized upon all the road that led to Tiberius, that none of them might go out of it, and shut them up in the city. Then came Vespasian, and ordered them all to stand in the stadium, and commanded them to kill the old men, together with the others that were useless, which were in number a thousand and two hundred. Out of the young men he chose six thousand of the strongest, and sent them to Nero, to dig through the isthmus, and sold the remainder for slaves, being thirty thousand and four hundred, besides such as he made a present of to Agrippa, for as to those that belonged to his kingdom, he gave him leave to do what he pleased with them. However, the king sold these also for slaves, but for the rest of the multitude, who were Traconites, and Golanites, and of Hippos, and some of Gadara, and the greatest part of them were seditious persons and fugitives, who were of such shameful characters, that they preferred war before peace. These prisoners were taken on the eighth day of the month Gorpieus, Elu. End of Book 3, Chapter 10 End of Book 3